1: ideas that people have is that shelters could work and why don't people stay in shelters when there's spaces like those? What is your response to that?
0: It makes me laugh, actually. Until you actually experience it, nobody knows the pain and struggle that veterans are going through. And this is not just a veteran issue. This is humanity, society has this issue dude, I, I fought in Afghanistan. Why do I have to come here and fight for my service connection? It doesn't
1: make any sense. This is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. We're back with part two of our series to help you understand a complex issue, veteran homelessness in LA, which was once deemed the homeless veteran capital of the country. If you haven't listened yet, Go back to part one now to understand what the Veterans Affairs West LA campus is and how the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is helping and not helping the veteran homelessness crisis. I honestly thought what I was going through was a life sentence. Today, we're gonna dive deeper into some of the major roadblocks many veterans face in trying to secure housing and VA benefits. There's no unwounded soldier on the battlefield. This is Edward Sotelo.
0: I served in Afghanistan 2007 to 2011. Until
1: recently, he was one of LA's roughly 4,000 unhoused veterans.
0: I had actually been homeless chronically for over a decade. I actually started in Long Beach. But the programs that they had in that time period were prehistoric. You would have to wait three months to get an appointment to get a resource. I had lost hope at that time period.
1: He struggled in the system for the same reasons so many other veterans do. PTSD, military-related injuries, and eventually, drugs and alcohol.
0: You know, addiction, alcoholism, that was a cycle from 2011 all the way up to October of last year, where I was on the streets, homeless, you know, completely strung out, and I needed the services.
1: But Edward faces another hurdle in securing housing.
0: I fall under the criteria of making too much. I got out with 70 percent, so
1: I obviously needed the help. You know what I mean? Edward receives disability compensation that puts him above what's called the AMI, or Area Median Income Limit for affordable housing. Being 70 percent disabled, it means I need the services here. Essentially, he makes too much money from his disability stipend to be eligible for VA housing. And there's actually a lot of disabled veterans in this situation.
2: The more disabled a veteran is, the more money that they make. A lot of times that money is over what the income limit restriction is for the buildings. So then you have this situation where the 100% disabled are being told, you make too much money to live at the VA.
1: That's Rob Reynolds, a formerly unhoused veteran you heard from in part one. If you didn't hear that one, you probably want to go back and listen. Rob is an advocate who's been fighting the VA and other government agencies alongside unhoused veterans since 2019.
2: One of the big points of contention is, with the housing that's being opened, is how these developers are getting the funding for it. This funding comes with income limit restrictions, and what the VA did not take into consideration is that a lot of veterans have disability compensation that then puts them over the limit to get into the housing. So the cruel irony here is that the most disabled, the ones that would benefit the most from living at the VA, are being told they can't live at the VA.
1: This funding Rob is talking about for most of the VA housing in Los Angeles comes from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. HUD counts veterans' disability compensation, which is a non-taxable VA benefit, as income.
2: It's very frustrating. And I think that it speaks to the overall mismanagement of the property, right? Because if you know you're going to build housing for veterans and you know that this funding source comes with income limit restrictions and you know veterans have disability compensation, that should have been taken into consideration well before the building started being constructed.
1: Local and federal agencies are trying to fix this issue in March. The L.A. City Council passed a motion to raise the income limits for tenants on affordable housing projects, which did increase the income limit to 50% of the area median income. But that still leaves the most disabled veterans ineligible.
2: On March 7th of this year, Congressman Mark Takano, who's the ranking member of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, he sent a letter to Secretary Dennis McDonough and the Secretary of HUD, essentially going through this issue and saying, like, you know, we need to do something to stop counting veterans disability compensation as income. And the Assistant Secretary to HUD, Dr. McLean, sent a letter back in response to that. And if I can kind of summarize her response, it was that if they were to change the policy, To not count veterans' disability compensation as income, it would kind of open up the floodgates for people to qualify for housing.
1: So basically, HUD is worried that if it cuts veterans a break on this, anyone on disability will ask for it. Kind of gross to think that's why that's not happening. The income limit issue is just one way bureaucracy and red tape prevents many unhoused veterans from securing housing. And it leaves a bunch of buildings perfectly suitable to house our veterans completely or partially empty. KCRW reported that one of the recently opened apartment buildings here on this campus originally required tenants to be older than 62 chronically homeless, mentally ill and earning less than 30% of the area median income. It was only after the VA wasn't able to fill these units that the income limit was raised to 60% for that particular building. Hey, Nick. Oh, hey, Brian. Thanks for bringing us out here today. Nick Gerda is an unhoused community reporter for LAist, and he joined us as we walked around the VA campus the other day talking to folks. Thanks so much for coming. He pointed out something to think about, like how housing is handled for veterans versus how they're supported when there are soldiers at
2: war some people have made an observation about the contrast of how wars are funded versus how veterans are are supported after they come back and, and soldiers are supported after they come back do you see a contrast there what are your thoughts on that i mean when when i was in iraq they immediately set up housing and facilities and everything that's needed and when there was ever a problem with them it was fixed immediately it was just like on point so it's kind of crazy to come back and be in america and then watch how You know, they can't even pave the roads where the tiny homes are. And you have veterans rolling, you know, their wheelchairs through mud. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. If you can do this in a theater of combat and set up housing and take care of people right away, why can you not do this in the United States? It's ridiculous.
1: More after a quick break. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org.
2: This is How to LA with part two of our veteran homelessness series. I mean, what does this say about our politicians if they can't solve veteran homelessness? It's such a relatively low number compared to the rest of homelessness, and they got 400 acres of land. Why should anyone have faith in them to fix homelessness in general? In case you missed it earlier,
1: we're talking about the challenges of providing housing at the West LA Campus of Veterans Affairs. That's the 400 acres Rob is talking about. It's massive, yet, there are about 4,000 unhoused veterans living in LA County. Now, when once someone gets their application in, went through all these hurdles,
2: is probably on their way to being housed here on campus, does life really change? I definitely have seen a change just from veterans coming off the street, getting into the tiny homes. There's a lot of positive things that come with that. Um, people that are struggling with addiction issues, I watch their addictions kind of, you know, it's not as bad as it was before because you get someone stable with the bed, they're off the street, a lot of the stress is gone.
1: The tiny homes are different from the new apartments that opened up last month. They are very small dwellings, eight feet by eight feet that were put up in 2021 as a first attempt to get vets off the streets. Add that to the apartments that opened last month, there are more housing options, but as we keep stressing, their need is so much bigger.
2: There needs to be more things to to get people out of their house or out of their tiny home and, and things to do so they're not just sitting there. You know, you have people that are being deployed to combat zones and they're going through that, and a lot of the American public doesn't even know what it is they're doing. And then coming back, a lot of times, I think people can kind of lose their sense of purpose and identity, like you're over there doing something that's you know, in your belief system is for the greater good, right? And then you come back and you have a lot of problems with it and trying to figure out where your next path is in life, and you can lose that whole sense of purpose. And then it's very easy to kind of spiral out and go downhill. Well, and I know that's something that happened with myself. Getting back involved and helping the veterans has given me my sense of purpose back.
1: So, remember Edward Sotello, who we were talking to at the beginning of this episode? Well, after a decade of fighting his way through the VA system, including income limit restrictions due to his disability benefits, he's finally moving forward.
0: I'm in Voc Rehab, which is a workforce program. It took an act of God for me to, to go to Santa Monica College and prosper. I'm in the theater arts program, and so my education is paid for. but. I'm pretty articulate, I'm intelligent, I'm outgoing, but I needed to heal first. What about the guys out there that can't do that? What about the people who are not able to protect themselves?
1: After the income limit was raised, he qualified for housing in one of the new units on the VA campus.
0: Well, so I got my keys actually this month in May. I'm in the 208 building, which is the new building for the veterans, new development. I'm going to college in Santa Monica, I live in, one of the richest places on in the planet, right? So like, thank God for that. But I had to go find all this myself.
1: But other veterans are still stuck somewhere in the system.
0: There's men in that program still who are being sold a pipe dream. They're saying that they're gonna to go to the 208 building and that's not the case. It's filled at max capacity right now. Why are you telling them that? Why is it so complicated? Why do I have to sign paperwork and do the same redundant things over and over again? It doesn't make any sense. It took me a decade to get here, so it's going to take, it might take people a decade to get here. The good things are is that there's miracles that happen within this space. One of the cool miracles is obviously getting into the 208 building. The first miracle was me getting into voc rehab. I'm struggling with mental health, traumatic brain injury. I could never do this interview with you guys or do any of these programs because of all of the symptoms that I had going on. So I had to heal somewhat before I even got to that space. Coming from a place where I was in the streets eight months ago to where I am now, there are effective programs. There's effective programs like SMART, which was in Long Beach, self-management and recovery training, that literally saved my life. I think my biggest thing is I would wanna tell other veterans out there is that you can get the help and the help exists it's just finding advocates to help you along the way, and there are, are unsung heroes in the process.
1: So now you're here, and you have an apartment? Yes, I do. So now you have an apartment. Like, you just smiled right now. <laughs>
2: and you have this emotion. Yeah. What, what comes to mind when you think about your apartment?
1: i like to
0: equate this message to hope, because What you put in it is what you're gonna get out of it. I'm standing before three people in an interview, which I would've never thought was possible eight months ago. Getting keys, I don't know, I say it's a gift from God, but it's also the work that I put in, you know what I mean? The apartment is beautiful. It's modern. They've done a good job with the development, and so I'm excited to see that they're going to build more, and that's what I want to see more of However many veterans are homeless out there, that should be how many houses that, that should be on this base.
3: Josh,
1: you Josh Pettit, the veteran we met yesterday, has been living in a tiny home on the VA campus for about a year. He's been approved for an apartment in one of the newly opened units but doesn't know when he'll actually get in but he says his life has already greatly improved so you you've been on and off housed and unhoused and now you're here tell me about like just your space here and um, has it been helpful
3: it's honestly it's been it's been great for me a little too comfortable i mean i i i was infantry in, in the army i'm used to being in the in the mud and the muck and in the in the you know like yeah uh, so they, you give me a place with electricity and an AC and, and you know, I'll sit in there and, and be happy with it. I think it's a blessing compared to what was here before, which was nothing. A place for a veteran to go for even for the night is amazing to me. Like that's, you know, that that shouldn't should have never been gone. You know, it should always been there. I'm in therapy right now, and that's given me a lot of insight on myself. And my therapist has a Vietnam veterans that. Are seventy, you know, in their seventies now, and they're going through the therapy, and they're like, "Man, I wish I would have done this in my thirties and forties, and I would, I wouldn't have lost connection with my daughter." And uh, so, my daughter's my world, you know. So, I'm glad that I'm doing it now. I just don't want to lose my family. That's that's the most important thing to me. When I was in Iraq, that's all I thought about was coming home to them.
1: Even though he's happy with his tiny home, he's looking forward to an improved quality of life when he finally gets into an apartment on campus.
3: Definitely a step up where I don't have to go to a porta potty every time I want to use the facilities. I can take longer showers. I mean, I'm already thinking about like, you know, the golf course is right there. I'm gonna get up and golf every morning now. Like I love golfing, it's right there. So they already said I'm in 205. So any, any day now, I'm hoping.
1: After over a decade of struggling within the system, these services have helped steer Josh in the right direction. But he says there's still a long way to go.
3: I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Yeah, improving is better than not, or going backwards. So, yeah.
1: We asked Josh, where does he want to be?
3: In Montana, on my own ranch. That's where I want to be. With, hopefully, my my family. So I've already got land looked at and everything. I'm trying to build like four houses out there and just move my whole family out there. My mom, my dad, everybody get their own little house. And yeah, that's what I like to do. So we'll see.
1: Thanks so much to veterans Josh Pettit and Edward Sotello for sharing their powerful stories with us. This is just a slice of people's stories. Like we said, there are over 4,000 unhoused veterans living in L.A. County, and they each have their own stories to tell. That's something to think about. This episode was produced by Megan Botel. Our other producers are Evan Jacoby and Victoria Alejandro. Special thanks to unhoused communities reporter Nick Garda who helped shape these stories. Please check out his reporting on LES.com for more on this important issue. Alrighty, y'all. Thanks for listening. Adios and stay safe. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.